everybody. It's Soul Questions. Hi. Hi. I'm here with one of my very best friends in the whole wide world. Oh, I wish this was visual. This, you I'm just, just sitting here. You just, just arm shelved so hard into that love. I you just went for it. Anna, you're the best. <laughs> Introduce yourself. I'm Jay Light. Yay! I'm a guy who is here in my kitchen with Anna. He's one of my favorite people. You're a guy that I met. I met you. You met me before you started doing comedy. Yes, I met you before I started doing comedy. I called you Earwax because uh, I couldn't remember your name, and it was all we talked about mm-hmm. in our first I, conversation. You were a, earwax for like six months and a bad earwax clog. <laughs> I have to get. It turns out I do have to get. That's something that runs in my family, and I have to oh, get really? my ears cleaned out like once a year. And I think we talked about never surf because you'll get like a sand pearl. Yes, and it is horrendous. And I've had that same earwax. Clog situation is never surfed. Yeah, don't don't do it because just the whole ocean Poseidon will take up residence in your ears. The ocean's calling to me, Anna. Oh, it's so much fun. I've always wanted to surf. Well, you can wear you can wear earplugs, like really, just really. You see the old guys out there with earplugs in, and you know, like really, yeah, they're just like whatever kid. I don't have anything to prove, so you can wear earplugs. It's fine. Well, 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 well. You just changed my surfing game. Yeah. You're non-existent. <laughs> I um, so we met, and then you weren't sober at the time, but you were going through some things. Yes, um, I was honestly. I can't remember. Well, give me a give me a time frame of when, we, like, what month we actually met. Oh my god! Because that'll that give be... me a better. Because I can better explain where I was at mentally. That's a really good question because I feel like so. It was it was a a solid like twenty fourteen almost or twenty fifteen. I think like the very beginning of twenty fifteen. I want to say yeah, like, like in January as the as the winter was turning into spring. Yeah, yeah. As, you know, as Chekhov might put it, <laughs> as the and winter turns. The, which is perfect because I had as just the cherry chased, blossoms bloom. I had just chased down David Taylor to tell him how amazing his set was mm-hmm. and he cursed me with comedy he said you were a comedian whether i liked it or not and then he threw you in front of me that's what david taylor loves to do yeah david taylor loves to throw me in front of women yes yes and then uh i i he likes to do that with a lot of people but he specifically likes to do it with you because you have this sweet little boy face mm-hmm. and you look unassuming that's but according david- to david taylor you are a pussy slayer yes <laughs> I have had I've had my share of days. Yes. <laughs> um at the time when you met me, if it uh-huh. was around that time, definitely was in my pussy slaying days. Hey. Uh going through some things. I was drinking a lot. I was smoking a lot of weed. Yeah. I was not in a good place, but I was existing and I was maintaining and I was functioning at a mm-hmm. at a at a level of where I could still be like kind of a human. Right. Uh, I was living in a living room. Okay, Frank's. Yep, <laughs> Frank's living room. Yeah, the, the underground world of uh, the legend, the new legendary uh, <laughs> living room. That place is getting some stories. Yeah, I didn't know until uh, they brought it up on uh, another podcast. Because uh, another friend of ours, Roast Battle People, yeah, they've had some times over in there. Uh, virginities were lost. Whoa, whoa! On the 
floor of that apartment. Key cards were dropped. Oh yeah. No. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna name names because you can go listen to that episode yourself. That's true. And this well, is, this is not about those people. I this is know. About you and me. I know that you, because Frank told me that your ability to close the sale in a living room was astonishing. While I, he played video games like behind a bookshelf next yeah. door, <laughs> I would usually like. I would tell, I would, if I was bringing someone home, I would usually check with Frank mm-hmm. beforehand and just be like, hey, are you awake? And then I would shun him to his room if he was. Yeah. Uh, and then I would, uh, yeah, I don't know. I honestly, I mean, I used to, I sometimes do a bit about this. I sometimes don't because I haven't really figured out the wording of it perfectly still. But I honestly don't know how I got laid in that living room. I brought a girl, I made, I got a girl, I met a girl at a wedding. And I convinced her to come and visit me, and she stayed with me in the living room for like five days. Wow! That is uh, a trooper. You, she's a trooper, and you must be magical. That's I guess. that's pretty. I don't know. You're like, oh, I guess. But it was a dark. It was actually a secretly dark time. Very secretly dark time. Okay. Uh, and the thing was, my uh, my facade of cool, mm-hmm. unassuming, nice guy was starting to break down. Uh, my alcoholism was very much seeping through the cracks mm-hmm. in a way that, you know, I'd had like blips and blops of it get in a into a release into like a public environment um, mm-hmm. before. You know, I, like I'd blacked out at work a couple times. I'd kicked people out while I was blacked out at work. <laughs> uh, Beat it. You're I... too drunk. <laughs> I'm also too drunk. Oh, they weren't too drunk. They were just an asshole, so I kicked them out. Oh, okay. That <laughs> I makes just sense. was like, get the fuck out of here. They made a joke I didn't like, and I literally threw them, pushed them, and shoved them out of the building. What? Um, yeah. No one said anything to you? No, Frank told me about it the next day. He was like, that was really funny what you did. And I was like, what did I do? <laughs> and he told me, he was like, it's cool, man. And I was like, it is. I don't know. It doesn't sound cool. <laughs> I apologized. Um, and I like had some uh, a few close calls with drunk driving. Mm. Either <clears throat> I definitely should have gotten a DUI before you even met me. Yeah. There was a time when I uh, I used to host out at Flappers in Claremont. Mm-hmm. And there I would get paid 50 bucks and I would get two free drinks and a free sandwich. So I would eat the sandwich, and then to get my bank for my buck, I'd always get two tall boys. <laughs> so I drank those. One night, they let me have three tall boys because I was killing it. <laughs> and then I smoked in the parking lot with uh, somebody. I don't even remember who. And they then I drove home. Yeah, and Claremont, for the record, if you're not from Southern California, Claremont is 45 minutes into... Just like nothing. Yeah, it's a it's, solid, lengthy drive. Yeah, it's a beast of a drive. And so, you know, even driving late at night, I was coming back home at like 11 o'clock. Even coming yeah. back at that time, yeah, still potential to run into some th- traffic or, or cops, like I ran into. Yeah. I was going 30 over in a 55 zone. A uh, cop pulled me over. I amazingly did not even get... Uh, a sobriety check he did not test me he did not even give me a reckless driving charge which is what that kind of speeding is supposed to give you automatically i just got a speeding ticket i got away 
and I went home, oh. and then I was living with my girlfriend at the time. This is this is a long I time that ago. That barbershop quartet face, right? It's like nice. just just get away with just everything. like, just like <laughs> golf cart salesman. <laughs> you get away with a lot of shit. Oh, not me, Mrs. Smith. I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> so then I went home to my girlfriend, who I was living with at the time, mm-hmm. and she was like, "You smell like alcohol," and I was like, "I don't know what you're talking about," <laughs> and I probably. I don't even remember. Probably drank and smoked more weed. Uh, So yeah, um, those some close calls. But yeah, so the cracks had started to show through more. I was having a lot more. uh, I just could. I got to a point where I couldn't stop, and I was, and I had, and so I had to pull the emergency brake. And then I quit drinking on the. Oh, I thought. Yeah, hello. No, it's okay. We've had my own roommates have come home in the oh, yeah. podcast. <laughs> uh, my last day I had a drink was on September 10th, 2015. What? I decided to quit two days before that, but my actual last drink was a couple days after that. That's amazing. Yeah. So it's well, been uh, just over a year. That's that's awesome. That's um, one of the... You fall into the category of comics who would ask me questions about my clean time and my recovery with a drink in your hand, which was so fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, I wonder where this is leading. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it was like a bunch of people got sober. That's a, like, it's the age of the sober comic, I think. It really it's is. starting to be. I know that there are... Uh, I was really happy to find out. One of the things that always worried me when I decided to, to get sober was... That I would not feel comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) We just Uh, have to address this. There's just an adorable ancient pit bull just having a quaffing away. Just having all the water. Casper. Casper. He's like, I want to be on the podcast too. I heard there are cats on this podcast. I want to be on it too. Yeah, buddy. You got it. Yeah. You did it. He's like, I'm hydrated. I'm going to lay down now. Um, Anyway, (laughs) so before we got uh, interrupted by Casper. Adorable the best, dog. Uh, sweet little roommate, sweet, sweet dog. little four-legged roommate. Um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. I think that I, because well, I knew that I had some kind of addiction running in my family, mm-hmm. and I think that I was starting to become a self-aware uh, alcoholic before I decided to quit. Right. I was leaning into it more as mm-hmm. far as like, ah, this is the life I can live, and then it very, very quickly proved once I leaned into it that I could not live that life. Right. So I, I had to change. The, I love the this is my identity comic. They're like, this is my identity now. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's not really a personality. No, Whiskey it's not. is not a personality. It's not. <laughs> oh, God. Or a thought. It's just a thing you do. It's a thing. <laughs> it's not. Uh, you lovable dullards. Like. <laughs> I know. What was I thinking? <laughs> no, but you always... Um, you know, even it, it's since I've known you, I feel like your material has changed in a way that's like you're reaching deeper inside is mm-hmm. what I'm seeing. Yes. And because um, I always I've always admired you as a person. Oh. So it's 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 great. You know, I really like where I've been able to where uh, well, really, I can't say where I've been able to take my comedy because I think I've been able to ride along where comedy is taking me. A lot better. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to worry about trying to put a whole bunch of pieces into place. Now I feel more drawn to talking about things as opposed to trying to hunt things down before. Yeah. Now it's like something will occur to me. 
And then I can go like, oh, and I find myself doing a lot more, feeling a lot more comfortable improvising on stage, doing crowd work, going down tangents and stuff. Yeah. And uh, and not caring so much about the outcome, which leads, I found, to a lot better outcomes. Right. Right. That I think the clearest example, the convergence of um, s- sort of surrender and step work and being in the moment and comedy is we both do roast battle. Oh, yeah. And we're both like... Like I had in my last battle and you, your response to that was so funny. I had to like, just, I was like, I'm not quite there. So I went into the bathroom. I got on my hands and knees at the comedy store bathroom. Normally when that happens, there's come like, there's no, Oh yeah. There's probably, was probably come in that bathroom. Probably, that night. Yeah. No, my, my knees are probably pregnant. Um, so I got, I got down on my hands and knees and I prayed and, uh, your response was, ew, <laughs> <laughs> which is right on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't know where that bathroom floor has been. You yeah. can guess. Yeah, no, it's horrendous. I, uh, yeah, yeah. I, because I was battling before I got sober too. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there has been a, uh, when I when I was doing just as far as like regular standup goes, there's definitely a relearning process that right. I had to go through. With roast battle, I didn't find it so much as far as like I had to learn how to battle again. It wasn't like that, but I definitely my style shifted. Yeah, I, and I think it's a product of kind of what you were saying before. I was going in deeper, and I cared more about it. I wasn't just going for the surface level shit right. as much as I would. You look like a splinkity splink and a splinkity splink. Yeah. <laughs> well, because then I started to really care about like if I'm going to put out like the best product possible, right? Then I have to really give this my all. Absolutely. And so. I did, and I and I learned to do that without the the crutch of alcohol. Right. Before I would battle, I would always take a shot, yeah. always without fail. And I was usually a a, a drink or two deep Oof. before battles would start, and then afterwards, it was just all bets were off. Um, but I could not. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I just got to a point where I could not continue living that life because. If I did, I would I would have nothing. So how did you experience surrender? I experienced surrender uh, talking to a lot of people who were in the program, mm-hmm. uh, other comics in particular, just to, to see what it was like. You know, I didn't even start going to meetings until I had hadn't had a drink for three months. First meeting I went to was in I, I quit drinking in September, mm-hmm. and I first meeting was December, right? Because I was just afraid to go, so I had to I had to work up a lot of the courage to surrender in a weird way. Uh, I was afraid I was afraid to just let go. Yeah, I didn't know what the other side held. Yeah, and then I just had to I just had to give in. I think what helped me out a lot was was getting a sponsor early on uh, and getting a sponsor who really was rigorous about working the steps. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, the cheese from that sandwich earlier is come, sitting in my throat. Delicious looking sandwich. Delicious sandwich. From Pitfire Grill. Oh, yes. Looked like a calzone, but it was a sandwich. It was a, a sandwich panini kind of hybrid thing. Oh, that's fun. Very good. Um, but anyway, so. <laughs> Sponsored by. <laughs> uh, yeah, so speaking of sponsors, yeah. uh, mine was very, uh, and is, he's the only sponsor I've ever had, but he's very rigorous about the way the steps mm-hmm. are to be worked. Right. He works in a very 
life or death format. Mm-hmm. One of the things, when I got my steps, I was given three instructions. Uh, I will meet once a week at a step meeting, which we had to modify because the step meeting we would go to was when I had to work also. So I had to go every other week. Uh, two was to work these steps like my life depended on it because it does and it, and it right. continues to. Right. And then third was to uh, take another man through the steps in the same way they were given to me when Aww. I finished them. And you're doing that. I'm doing that right now. Yay. And that is a uh, wild ride. I'm glad that I'm doing it now. <laughs> Speaking of like knowing how much control or like um, sort of when you were talking about surrender, like having to kind of ease into surrender, mm-hmm. a sponsee is not easing in. No. That is like, Sponsee's oh, diving right in. Diving right in. Sponsee's like a polar bear plunge. Yeah. <laughs> you just dive in and you're like, fuck, this is cold, but I have, I have to do this. Have no control over this. No control. Oh my God. <laughs> so... Uh, but that's the thing. Like I've, I, I really enjoy working with a sponsee right now because I'm learning a lot about myself still mm-hmm. and, uh, and getting perspective on my recovery and perspective on my past. Yeah. And that's never going to change. The, the, my, my story will never change. Right. The way I look at my story is constantly changing Absolutely. and the way I'm growing in the wake of the destruction that I laid down before is also changing. So now I can sit and be like, you know, I'll hear, I'll talk to my sponsee about their step work and where they're at. Uh, they'll tell me stories, give me examples from mm-hmm. their life. And I will still, and I'll hear a lot of myself in what they're going through and I can go, Oh yeah, no, I know how that feels. And also this is what I did, uh, when I was going through that. Right. And this is how you can, this is a thing that helped me out. Right. I f- I'm glad to have such a visible and 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 constant opportunity to be of service. That's one of the things I've found uh, most difficult to do in uh, the life we live as comics is that it's hard to have the t- to to carve out the time to do like traditional service work in the sense yeah. of like you're going out like going out and volunteering or something like right. that. Um, so I've had to find my own way of like, besides having sponsee, because that's obviously doing a lot of, of being of service and giving back. I've had to find other ways of which I can be like, oh, how can I help other people out? How can I, how can I be a good person to others and not just focus on myself all the time? Right. That was the thing I really had to get used to surrendering was not being selfish and self-centered all the time because I wanted to make everything about me, but right. also pretend that I wasn't doing that. <laughs> I was such a, I would, I, I was the, I was like the person who thought I deserved everything, but also that I deserved nothing. Right. And I was, I was like, why are these people giving me the things that I don't think I should have? <laughs> <laughs> but also give them to me because but give them to me because don't. I do exactly yeah <laughs> fuck you I do deserve those um, but that's the thing like I had to I had to give that up right and there are days when it is difficult to give that up because it's a that's a daily thing I have mm-hmm. to think about that all the time mm-hmm. but I am better at it now yeah because I understand the patterns of thought that I get into I understand the way my brain works and understand that I can that I can ask for help. Yeah. Just as easily as I can offer help. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, what was your most sort of insane moment in and out of recovery? Uh, my most insane moment, I would, oh boy, probably, it was before I got into meetings. 
before I was in meetings, I was, uh, I was not in a good, I, you, and you know all about this. Uh, I got myself into a very toxic relationship where I was not able to stand up for myself. Right. And I <laughs> allowed a lot of things to happen instead of taking action and agency mm-hmm. in, in quashing a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I did not find good or healthy about this relationship. Mm-hmm. And I played out a lot of just like a lot of beating myself up, a lot of the kind of negative thought victimization kind of patterns that I was, that I was experiencing a lot before I quit drinking. Right. was playing out a lot in this too. Right. I would say that was definitely the most insane I've been. And when I did my step work, that was the, that was a relationship that came up constantly is like, how was I insane? Oh, I was insane by being with this person and, and not vocalizing. Oh, I actually don't want to not be exclusive. Oh, I actually don't want these things. Wow. Cause I would just be a doormat to save things. Right. I would just lie down. Yeah. That was a thing that I experienced a lot in uh, in sobriety is not taking things lying down anymore. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say there's a lot of you have to have a lot of you got to be loving and you got to be surrendering right. and that kind of stuff. But being a doormat is just as much of a defect as being angry and vengeful all the time. Well, the harder I, I remember this because I was getting the I was getting the text messages sent to me mm-hmm. and i remember that the more uh more of a doormat you became the harder she rejected you yes it does not work that's the thing work. no one respects a, do- a doormat right. no one does no one does the the doormat themselves doesn't respect the you know who they are in that situation and and no one respects the person actually doing it. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of, it's a catch 22. If like, sometimes you do have to learn like when is saying no, the most compassionate thing I can provide for myself and this other person. Yeah. And I just yeah. couldn't say no to anybody. Yeah. I did not know that no was an option. Right. I still, and I, I still struggle with that. Like comedically, um, it was told to me, like, you just never say no, you go everywhere you do everything. And I remember I was talking with Joe Dosh, uh, after we recorded an episode of this podcast, I was describing, uh, a writing, uh, little job I had. And he said, that sounds insane. You should quit. Oh, you told me about this writing job too. Yeah. And he was like, he was like, no, you don't, you can just quit. It doesn't work for you. And I was like, really? He goes, yeah. Saying no is real powerful. And I'm like, oh, mm. <laughs> oh, and you know, it took a couple of months and me and that person, we get along just fine now. But it go. was just like, oh no, I can't work with this person. This isn't going to work. That's yeah. <laughs> so. uh, I'm glad that we are able to, to figure out how to say no to things now and be great and be graceful about it too. And not right. be, that was the thing I was always afraid of about saying no is I was afraid I was going to look like a jerk if I said no. Hmm. Instead of looking like I'm trying to, uh, you know, I want to be helpful. Yeah. I want to be like, oh, I want, that was, uh, that was the key thing for me and why I drank was I wanted people to have an image of me that I could not maintain (laughs) in a healthy way. I, I so strongly relate to that. Um, where that come, came up for me even harder and harder to deal with was in my recovery. 
I became that I became that girl, you know, like the queen of my little meeting and Oh yeah? And I, oh fuck. Yeah, I was oh I was just ugh, bull. And uh it was it was ooh, it was it was not good. Um and even though that wasn't necessarily the result, that was the mindset I had, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I really relate to that. That like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna hide back here and uh, you will not see that I first off I'm perfect, just in case you didn't know. Mm-hmm. Super perfect. So perfect. So perfect. And uh, I will drive myself insane thinking that you need to think that I'm perfect. It's it's crazy. It's mm-hmm. crazy talk. Well, it's especially weird because we are in a in a performance career where we are mm-hmm. sacrificing ourselves for a crowd every night, multiple times a night sometimes, mm-hmm. and trying to win their approval. Oh, yeah. And they, they will reject us oh, on yeah. occasion. Of sometimes. course. It is inevitable that we will get rejected. Yeah. Sometimes mid set, you can have them so hard, and then you're like, "Wow, you rejected that." That yeah. you, oh God, guys, you hated that. Yeah, <laughs> and that's oh man, why do we do this to ourselves? Um, because we like. I think we just like the the math of creating jokes. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it's a weird it's a weird art. Well, I'm sure you felt this the experience of when you got on stage for the first time and you got a laugh. Yeah. That feeling is remarkable. Yeah. It's a, uh, I've never really felt anything like that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just laughter for the purpose of laugh. Like I figured out in sharing it, like meetings and conventions and stuff that I could share in a funny way. And that humor was a great hack into somebody's heart. Basically, because people yeah. people relate to humor sometimes more strongly than they relate to anything else, and mm-hmm. so it it is going into a meeting and being like, "Yeah, I called a government agency today, and uh, woo, do I not feel good about that? Like, yeah. ooh, spiritually real worn out." Yeah, <laughs> um, because everybody can relate to that feeling, but the um, going on stage for the first time was like, "What is?" But for me, it was, "Oh, I found my lane." Oh, this is where all this energy is supposed to go. I'm not supposed to be like punking my coworkers on, on breaks. You used and, like, to do that. You used to prank your coworkers so bad they would cry. <laughs> like I was, I had, I just had all this comedic energy that had no, that had no outlet. Wow. So it was like, oh, this is the, this is the puzzle piece. Is how it felt to me. Interesting. Yeah, I was just, I was just spilling out. I. I'm glad that I found stand up early then I feel like I would have gotten into I would have gotten I never liked pranks. I was never I've never been a prank type person, but I don't know what my comedic outlet would have wound up being if I did not find this. Uh, yeah, I mean, you everyone has their own path for things, mm-hmm. I think, and I'm it makes when the nights are hard and grim and I'm sad and it, something's not working or maybe um I'm putting myself under a lot of pressure. I have to remember, first off, I've been fired from so many jobs, mostly for running my mouth. Because what will happen is suddenly I'll be like, oh, do you want to know what I think of you? And mm-hmm. I'll be like, oh, is this a board meeting where we're all supposed to be real professional with clicky pins and, and uh, steno pads? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to terrorize you for the next 45 minutes. This should have been an email. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not meant for indoors is basically. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I am either. No, I, no. uh, man, all of my jobs that I've had have been aside from occasional like production work jobs. Yeah. Jobs where I've been talking with people 
I've been like out and about doing stuff. You know, I used to work as a tour guide at my college campus. I used Aww. to be a camp counselor. I used to be a swimming teacher. Yeah. Uh, and then the uh, yeah the only other job that I can think of besides those and working at comedy clubs is a uh, I wrote essays for college kids. <laughs> Black was, market essays. Yeah, <laughs> and that's a job where I was just like holed up in my room. Right writing those all the time but everything else it's like i have to be out and doing stuff with people right or else i don't feel quite right yeah something feels off that's that's when i first started uh being around comedians i was like oh this is my planet mm-hmm. david taylor was not wrong no he wasn't yeah he just was like oh yeah you're one of us you got the best curse <sighs> now he's trying to curse me with your life's too good it's gonna fall to shit and i'm like hey i don't think like that yeah like i'm in a program we don't think like that i could but like you could but what would that serve you no it doesn't serve me at all and the, the truth is is yeah the great things will pass and and uh different things will arrive mm-hmm. and that's that's how life is yeah exactly i've had i'm you know i've i have i have compared to you zero sobriety my time is pales in comparison to oh. yours, but I can still attest to peaks and valleys. Right. Of course. That's yeah. how life works. Right. But now I'm not trying to sit around griping about it all the time and not doing anything to to carry forward. Right. Or trying to exact too much control over what I'm doing to uh, control in a futile way. Because that's not going to do anything. If I'm sitting around, say, like, like with Roast Battle, we'll go back to that. I was not chosen to be on the first season of the TV series for the Montreal Battles. And I was on, you know, I was lucky enough to be on the tapings, but, and I won my battle of the tapings. And I remember afterwards, I was like, yeah, that was great. And people were like, yeah, it would be like the best one of the night down in Austin. Right. And blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, this is good. this could be really good, and then I didn't get picked for Montreal for any kind of job, and I was like, oh, well, I mean, it's not. There's nothing here that I can do. This is all completely out of my hands, right? And I also had the the I guess the blessing is the right word for it of being around other friends of mine who were kind of bestowed even worse fates around that show, yeah, and and. I got to see what happened to them and I was I was grateful that I had a chance to even have something a, a, a stake in the game at all. Right. That made me really grateful. And I right. could not have I could not have experienced what I experienced and taken it as well as I did if I was not working a program actively. Because yeah. I don't think that I would be able to sit here and be like, Yeah, you know what? A great thing happened and then a great thing passed me by too. Right. And that's just how it works. What I what I observed because I was uh I, I was the shoulder for a lot of people in oh, yeah. that situation and what I observed is everyone had expectations justified or otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um the results were not as expected and then there were varying degrees of grief. And what I learned from being of service in the way that I could in that situation was that first off life is not fair. I had a sponsor always tell me the fair is something that happens twice a year and there's cotton candy. Like there is no fair. We got corn dogs at our fair. Yeah. And so there's like life is not fair, but also Hollywood is especially arbitrary. 
No, not fair. It 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 surpasses not being fair to a point where it is just arbitrary. Yeah, and to just be grateful to be a part of the experience and to recognize that it is not about the feelings of the artists involved. It's usually like five people making decisions who maybe aren't the best informed people mm-hmm. for those decisions. And I yeah. think with season two, they're they've become more informed. And it'll only get better. I think it's just I think so too. They're getting it. But so I I'm glad that, you know, that is the kind of this is the kind of outlook we have cultivated for ourselves. Right. This is the kind of thing we are It's not about me. We are allowing ourselves right. to think now, which is great. Right. I and now and that's the other thing too is now I feel more inclined to okay if I don't get something then it there's I have a part in that and I can do things on my end to push myself to become a better artist and Mm -hmm. become something you know a a concept you hear a lot in comedy is you want to be so good you're undeniable right I'm sure you've heard that yeah uh, dozens of times that is something you can actively work towards, yeah. you know, like there are things that you can do to, to make yourself undeniable right. and to work at that and, and wallowing in despair about <laughs> what did not come to pass right. is not a good way to become undeniable. But that's something that I would do a lot before I would sit around and I would just be like, ah, what's the point? Why write? Why do new stuff? Why push myself? Right. I one thing I always come back to is we do the best with what we can and when we know better we do better. Yeah. And in order to know better there's a lot of work. That's the point A to point B. We're not passive in the in the process of knowing better. We have to actively seek better. Mm-hmm. And it's um whether that's going to more mics, whether that's writing more, whether that's going to more meetings, whether that's reading more, whatever the goal is, you know. Um, I failed in enough things in my life to know where I have not put in the effort yeah, to be better. Exactly. <laughs> so it's one of those things of like I can be honest with myself and be like, where I've been struggling recently is when I'm not at mics, I feel guilty for focusing on comedic things outside of mics. And when I'm at mics, I feel guilty for not focusing on my writing. Oh, I know that struggle. And it is brutal. It's like at some point I'm like, okay, disease, you have to you have to get out of this room. You have mm-hmm. to get out of this part of my brain right now. I need you to go live somewhere and like focus on eating candy or something. You've yeah. got to get out of here. <laughs> I, I, we've hold so, we hold productivity in such a weird regard, but right. also there's a lot of other ways to be productive besides doing strictly comedy stuff all the time. That was one of the things that when I was starting out in recovery and starting out to work the step work that I had a couple of people set me straight on. Program's got to come first. Yep. Mm-hmm. And if the program comes first, then the rest of life will fall in right. along with that. Yeah. And the times right now, I'm having a, a, to- a harder time putting my program first than I have expected to be able to because I've been able to do keep a pretty solid program uh, ever since I started working the steps yeah. and working with the sponsor. But I am at a place now where I am not giving myself the time. This has right. been for a, a solid couple of weeks, almost a month, but where I haven't been able to give myself the proper time to like 
keep my routine that I'm trying to establish as mm-hmm. far as like a morning routine of like writing out an inventory, going and praying and meditating mm-hmm. and doing this other stuff that I know I'm going to set my day straight, going to, you know, four to five meetings a week because that's mm-hmm. what I need in order to feel comfortable and confident. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that I had those weeks where I was not working my program like mm-hmm. that, I have the the dots connected and i can be like oh yeah no this is why i I feel like this because i did these things Mm -hmm. now i can sit here this should be visual because i'm (laughs) gesturing like it's a fucking ted talk uh so this crack this is my heart line Um, this spot on the wall represents a dark place. Right. Um, but yeah, so now I have to be like, all right, so this is what I did here. And sometimes some of the things I was doing were working, but also what did I not do? Or what did I do that wasn't working? So what can I do to change and to seek being better? Yeah. Yeah. How do you, how do you make decisions? Uh, it depends. How big a decision are we talking? I don't know. Um, smaller decisions. I mean, I usually wind up consulting a couple of other people on mm-hmm. my decisions to begin with. Right. Um, if it's something that is relatively minor, it's just like, I'll talk to friends, my girlfriend, uh, and, and get some, some opinions. Yeah. Uh, if it's something more major or if it's something that is recovery related, then I go to, you're one of my go-tos. You're one of the people I, I tent step with. Yeah. Um, my sponsor. Yeah. Uh, great, great guy. He and I have developed a really cool relationship. He's a cool dude. Um, and, uh, and other people whose recovery I trust. Right. You know, because I know that they have the experience that I do not have. And that's something that I can always turn to. Right. I prey on things a lot more than I ever did. Mm. I pray I pray to remove like fears. I have uh, one of the constant ones I always do is I get rid of I pray to remove my fear of success and my fear of failure because yeah. I have those working in me constantly. Yeah. On the double. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like how am I gonna, how am I going to rise to this occasion? I just want to go take a nap. How am I going to rise to the occasion and then also what's going to happen if I rise to it? Now they're going to expect me to be oh, there. No. Oh no. How honest are you with yourself and others? I am very honest with myself and others. I have to be. Yeah. I, uh, being dishonest was what got me into trouble a lot because I would just try and weave a web of lies. Mm -hmm. I had to have, uh, this a couple days ago. This is something I was going to talk about off mic too, but I'll bring it up now too. Why not? Uh, I had at work a, uh, an incident where I was rude to a coworker, but tried to play it off like, oh, I'm just doing this because I'm trying to protect you. And it was something about like the way they were, uh, the way they went on, on the mic for potluck. And like Whoa. they went, uh, they went over their time and I was like, oh, you shouldn't do that. No, you shouldn't do that. Don't do that. Uh, and, I had to sit back and look at myself and talk to some other people and recognize, you know what? It's not my place to be a scold. Mm-hmm. And it's not my place to try and put somebody else in their place. Mm-hmm. And I can't say that I wasn't trying to do that because mm-hmm. that's disingenuous. 
The way I acted was disingenuous, and the way I played it off was not was not honest. Mm. So I had to go back the next morning and say, "Hey, I'm sorry. I should not have gone there. I should have stayed out of it. It's not my place to comment. It's not my role. It's not my role. Yeah, I've had to really focus on what is my role. Yeah, and uh, and sometimes my role is to just kind of nod and just be like, "Okay, yeah, okay. you do you." That's fine. I don't Seven need to get involved. Seven and a half minutes for a three-minute mic. Yeah, cool. I don't, I don't need to get involved. That's fine. <laughs> it's tough. I struggle with that one, too. I really do. And I struggle receiving that from other people because I do it. That's how mm. I know. I get to Anytime I'm in a meeting and um, somebody leans over and goes, you know, in this meeting, this is what we do. I'm like, yeah, I heard I heard the a meeting announcement. I, uh, I heard that, lady. Thanks. Thanks. I get real belligerent and the um, it's because I am that person. I'm not like, oh, let me help you with my people pleasing and control and manipulation because you're making me uncomfortable. Yep. It has nothing to do with them at that point. Yep. So, yeah, I have to be, have to be vigilant of that one. Yes, I have to be and you got to really be, I got to stay on top of it. Vigilance is key. Well, we all want to be right. That's a that's a that's a conversation I've been having with a the, not not in a conflict way, but with the person I'm dating. He'll occasionally go, but I just I just like being right, and I'm like right, but like you know that just sound cliche. But do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Yeah, do you want to be right or do you want to be free? That's yeah. one of the things I heard in a meeting early on that I was like, that's great. I need yeah. to know that one. That's and it sucks that- when you are right and you have mm-hmm. to just be like, all right, well, fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like, I, I have, I have experienced a lot of that in my relationship that I'm in right now as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I am, you know, I'm not inclined to want to admit to being wrong, <laughs> and yet here I am, frequently being wrong about things. The two of you two are so you're so strong personal. The both of you have such strong personalities. Yeah, and I can imagine there's a lot of. A lot of that, which mm-hmm. is fine. That's good. That's oh, it's totally fine. That's fun. That's it's, the thing. I am glad that I can at least admit to having the kind of personality that yeah. I have. I can admit to being, to wanting to not be the sidekick. Yeah, that's yeah. the way. I, that's the role I tried to slot myself into because I didn't think I deserved anything better. Me too. And now for I feel years. like yeah, for years, years. I had not even recovery related. I told you this, but I had a teacher in one of the, I was taking a class, an yeah. improv class, and she told me, I can tell you don't want to just be just another white guy in a plaid shirt. So don't do that. And I was like, you're right. I don't want that. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. So don't. Yeah. And also a person who's been on this podcast, we both had a conversation about presentation beyond being the white guy in the plaid shirt mm. or being the chick in the, you know, however, we need to get, we all need fashion advisors as women in comedy. I'm wearing overalls right now. You know what I mean? Like we're overalls are in though. <laughs> Anna. No, I love overalls. When I first moved to LA, I had a friend in recovery be like, you need to throw out all those overalls. You little hayseed. Overalls and then the are minute in. they came back, I was like, I'm wearing these forever. See, that's the thing. And like, you can go to like a flea market in LA. You can get, everybody's going to try and sell you their nicest overalls. But if you go to a flea market where I'm from in Texas, everybody's already wearing them. They're <laughs> so you're you know you're doing fine we're doing we're doing fine we're yeah doing fine but no um that just not being the the it, you've become you you're starting to talk about things that are more difficult to talk about on stage mm-hmm. too 
and that that be more than more than just a shirt change like you're you're changing the way you're presenting yourself which is yeah uh, great about that i like what frank had to say at dinner last night when he was like yeah because you look like their kid and uh mm-hmm. i struggle he and i i wanted to talk to him about like because i struggle i don't know what i look like to a latino audience but i know i look like something because if it's an i have i have an easier time in a black room than i do in a latino room do you do many latino rooms not many and when i when i do i'm always like okay guys <laughs> mm. we can get through this i know i'm not what you expected <laughs> i have no jokes about quinceañeras or churros oh, let's move no. forward any pinata jokes i do have a pinata joke good see there yeah. you go that's your opener for any yeah. latino room. I, I say that i feel like a pinata made of khakis perfect that's how it feels oh. that's how it feels to be a half mexican who doesn't speak spanish oh, <laughs> oh no oh no <laughs> um that's a, that is a lot of my humor oh no <laughs> what have i done oh, e- oh no, oh, no. <laughs> but um this, i'm interviewing the shit out of myself i need to get back to interviewing yeah you. <laughs> ask me some things i don't even know how many uh, questions in we are we're we are uh we are five questions in i seamlessly i just slipped them in i like I guess, it i yeah. do like your process you don't have a check sheet you don't have any kind of legal pad. You just zing them at me. How do you, how do you feel about fear and anxiety? How do you process that? I, cause you said you were I mean, removing I, fears. Yeah. I have a lot of, I have a lot of fear and anxiety still. Um, mm-hmm. fear and anxiety is something that, that we have to live with. Uh, it's something we don't have to be feeling all the time, thankfully. And now yeah. I have tools to escape that mm-hmm. when I get in my head and when I worry, uh, and when I get fearful and, the trickiest thing is not living in fear. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm when I'm at my best self and when I'm at my happiest self, that is when I don't feel ruled by my fears. Yeah. So to deal with fear and anxiety, working a solid program helps out with that. And then also making sure that, you know, like the question you just asked, making sure that I'm being honest and upfront with myself about how I'm feeling mm-hmm. is a good way to, to nip that in the bud. Right. Because if I am being honest, then I can be like, no, I'm not uncom- I'm not comfortable in the situation. I am uncomfortable right now. And what can I do? How can I step outside of being uncomfortable? And sometimes that means, uh, if in like a performance setting, sometimes it means just leaning in real hard and just rolling with that and, tur- and trying to turn it into a, uh, a rush of like endorphins and anticipation mm. through just punching my way through it mm-hmm. and karate chopping it down mm-hmm. um off stage it is when i find myself outside of my comfort zone sometimes leaning in is a good way to be okay with it mm-hmm. as far as like oh if i'm in a conversation with somebody that i don't know for i'm in a place where i uh where i don't know anybody then striking up a conversation with somebody is a good way to get out of being in a place of fear and anxiety right uh or now i can also be okay with just getting out of a place if I feel uncomfortable, if I feel uh, like I need to not be there. There are, and I'm not saying this is everyone, but there is a contingency of sober comics at the comedy store that do not hang out there at all. They work there, some of them, mm-hmm. but they don't hang. And then there's also a contingency of um, like a normal, like real, like normal ass normies. They do the same thing. They're just like, eh. 
and then and then there's you know folks of all different degree but um that's a, a thing i noticed is there are folks who will remove themselves from the from a high pressure discomfort situation yeah i did that this, i did it over the weekend i was at a halloween party and i didn't like it and i was yeah, there we were talking about that. yeah i just didn't like being there i did didn't you feel to eat all the hamburgers for that costume by the way no i brought those to the party everybody loved cute. that i brought oh, those but then smart. they didn't talk to us like the rest of the time i was there with my girlfriend Dude. it was very weird i'm sorry that's yeah, all right i interrupted you though but you decided to leave yeah, you were I like, I don't like it. and she was like do you want she was like i'm gonna call an uber my girlfriend was she was like i'm gonna call an uber home and i was like eh, don't do that <laughs> i was like do you want to go she was like yeah but do you want to stay? And I was like, ah. And it, and I was wishy-washy about it because I'm wishy-washy about things still sometimes. Mm. And I was like, I don't want to be here. Let's just go. Let's just Irish goodbye this thing. Yeah. So we left. My sponsor is the queen of the Irish goodbye. She once, we were both at a wedding and she just was like, she leans over, she goes, let me show you how to do this. And we just laugh. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best thing in the world. It's ironic that we can do sober Irish goodbyes now. Too. Ah, yeah. Well, Isn't that lovely? The drunk one is being hauled away in handcuffs. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's not racist because I'm also half Irish. Woo. So. Can you be racist against Irish people still? Maybe, no. It's in the modern times? Yeah. I, I haven't heard a good, I haven't heard a good, uh, I don't even remember what the racial slurs for Irish anymore. I know that paddy wagons are where they've shoved them all into. Uh, 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 Mick? I think he nailed it. Yeah. Freaking Mix. I'm yeah. half Irish, so I can say that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. We roast battle. We have a, a whole other part of our brain. There was a joke I told somebody yesterday, and Frank went, Ooh. And I was like, I know there's an evil side in here. Yeah. <laughs> I have an evil side. That's uh, the one thing I've had to really become accepting of too is, oh, this is a part of my personality that I, that I am good at. Oh, okay, cool. Well, for me, it's, I'm that kid on the play yard that if you bully me hard enough, I will stand up and knock your teeth out. I know you've knocked my teeth out. A couple <laughs> times. Sorry. That's okay. That's um, another one of those instances where like if I I have to be honest with myself and sometimes I'm I cannot be in that moment and I'm blessed to have people like you who can check me and be like, "Hey, guess what? You did it wrong, kid." <laughs> I'm sorry. And uh, and also, you know, I have to watch my I have to <laughs> monitor, I have to self-regulate my emotions so I don't snap at people, but um but that's cool. That's the best thing about being friends with you and with other people with a program is we can we can have conflict and not have it be the end of the world. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, we got a little conflict. I love my buddy. The end yeah. of the day. You know, it's like All is love. All is love. You don't get mad at people you don't care about. Right. And unless they have something you want or, you know, there's they're a gatekeeper to a thing or, you know, if whatever it is, but there, you have to have an emotional stake to even get angry. Yeah. And that's the thing. Even getting mad about like a gatekeeper. What does that serve? Yeah. Again, that's just more. Usually okay. This the is gate is made of cardboard and they made it themselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Burn that shit down. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you experience forgiveness? I experience forgiveness. Uh, well, I grew up, so I grew up in a religious household and we were taught that there's a healthy degree of like, we were raised by a forgiving God, uh, in that style mm -hmm. of Christianity in which I was raised. 
but I had a weird sort of falling out with religion, mm-hmm. and I don't think that. Thankfully, that was one of the parts that that kind of stuck. Is that I can forgive pretty easily as long as I'm willing to overcome that resentment if there's something that's built up there. Right. So when I was going through uh, and and doing my step work and writing out all my resentments and stuff and figuring out some of the stuff I had really held on to for a long, long, long time. Right. But when you see it all laid out there like that, you can see why not forgiving that is, is fucking you up. So forgiveness is, it's not an option. It's something that just, you have to do. Forgiveness is a fact of life. Mm -hmm. If I don't forgive, then I'm not going to be able to move forward. Mm -hmm. All I want in life is to be my best self. And if I can't move forward, that means I can't be my best self because I'm, I'm staying hampered. I'm allowing myself to be stuck at a roadblock. So what I have to do is to absorb and forgive myself Mm -hmm. for the first part, absorb what I did, forgive forgive my action in the situation because there's always a part. Mm -hmm. And then if the other person who's involved says something and apologizes, great. And we can move forward. That happened. I had something like that happen last night. Hmm. Someone was uh, was working a shift in the belly room. He uh, the show ran very late last night in the belly room. Roast battle brutal. did. It was the latest we've ever run. I knew it was going to run late because I got a text at eleven thirty from Toby asking if the periscope was down. <laughs> he said, "Are they not periscoping?" And I said. I suspect they're just running super late. And he goes, cool, I'll see you there. And we both made it like right in the second undercard or something. But um, yeah, it was it was a late run. And that's a show that can't run that. It, if no. it runs that late, it can really be torture for the audience. No. You just watch them just like, I yeah. <laughs> can't do this anymore. Uh, we're working on it. We're working on it. <laughs> We're trying. <laughs> no, um, it's okay. It's a process. But There's too many. Mo- it's a lot of moving parts. A lot of moving parts. It's a full circus every Tuesday. Yeah. Like a full three ring circus, elephants and all. Yeah. But usually I'm the one who's working that shift. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a, I'm an employee at that time and not just oh. someone who's working for the show. So you're wearing two hats at once? Often, yeah. Crazy. So, but last night I was not wearing those hats. Okay. And Cleanup of the room falls upon the duty of the person who is wearing the I am the representative of the club hat. Right. That means picking up all the glasses and the bottles and the cans. And the and food that the wave the food has that thrown the wave is thrown. All over the room. Exactly. Yeah. Um and the guy who was working last night was really mad that he had to do that. He was like, I'm not doing that. Me and Frank were like, we did that. Every week, we've had that shift. Every single time. And then he apologized to me today. And this is someone who, through other reasons, I have had other resentments towards this person that I had to forgive on my end. And I had to give up. Because it wasn't worth it to keep those. Right. If I'm going to be a willing party of, of dropping that, 
it makes me feel really good that to see that he is also going to be a willing party to own up and say, hey, I did this thing, and I'm sorry that I acted this way. Right. So if I'm going to sit there and just be, if I'm going to sit there and be mad, then cool. Right. What am I going to do? What am I going to get out of that? Oh, I'm just going to be shitty to you? Great. Right. I don't want to do that. And for sure, you've looked at that stage after the show and been like, I don't want to fucking clean this. Yeah. You felt it. Oh, I you felt that. You said the thing you felt. Yeah. <laughs> at some juncture. Yeah. And that's the other thing is now I can, I'm, I'm much more able to take a, an objective view of a situation mm-hmm. and guess at how the other person feels instead of just railroading their feelings and putting mine in their place. Hmm. And I think that benefits my ability to process forgiveness and to forgive. Yeah. That empathy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That empathy, though. That empathy, though. Uh, what, what's been the like, weirdest amends you've had to give? I, uh, I had to give an amends to a coworker who, for sure, did not seem to care that I had to make an amends to him. Those are the funniest ones. And I <laughs> pulled him aside. And, I was, and I'm really nervous every time I made an amends. I still Do have. I, know a, this I still have. Yeah. Do they have like weird double jointed legs? <laughs> I don't know. He I don't know anything like about the trick. legs of my coworkers. <laughs> he does this weird trick on the patio where he can like spin his whole foot around. Oh my god! Yeah, it's horrendous. I think I know what you're talking about. Okay, but I, uh, yeah, I mean, there's still some amends that I haven't made because I am not. Some of them are financially based, and I'm not in a place where I can right. where I can make that and not cause undue stress on my end. Yeah. Yet. Mm-hmm. Um. And those are going to be for sure weird. Uh, But uh, I'm at least willing to when I have the funds available to do that. I'm not looking forward to those, but I'm going to have to do those. I made a $5 a month contribution to an amends for like five years. Ooh. Mm -hmm. You can do... A payment plan. You can do a payment plan. That doesn't occur to me. I'd have to see see if that, that with that... institution if a payment plan would work yeah if it's an institution or if it's a um if you have to make some sort of a because i was a i was a shoplifter i could shoplift all my boots i was because i was so young so there was a lot of amends i made to charities because you can't just like walk into a grocery store i heard another thing in a meeting that was really interesting where this guy used to shoplift he had a hustle at kmart Ooh. So his sponsor made him shop at Kmart. If you could buy it at Kmart, he had to buy it at Kmart for a year. Ah. So there's all sorts of ways to do financial amends where you can you can feel like you're doing your part. Could you imagine? What is, there's no fate worse than shopping. I went to one Kmart the other day and I was like, why am I in here? I want to kill myself. Like it's, uh, but yeah, he had to shop at Kmart for a year. He's like, I'm so over jeans, shoes. Everything. He had to buy anything. Anything he had to buy. If he could buy it at Kmart, he had to buy it at Kmart. <laughs> so. That works, though. Yeah. Totally works. I'll uh, I'll have to follow up with you on this. Yeah. There's there's all sorts of strategies. I'll find a way. Uh, I donated to the Salvation Army for a specific form of theft I had for a while until I realized they were um, horrible towards gay and lesbian people. So I switched to the Planned Parenthood. Okay. Yeah. And then I have another friend who gets a cell phone service that specifically donates X amount of uh, funds to charities. Um, and she has terrible service. It's the, it's worse than Metro PCS is the worst, but she will, uh, she does that because for all the theft and things that she did in the past. Okay. So, 
Oh. Yeah, there's all sorts of ways. Well, thanks so. for thanks for letting me in on those. <laughs> Sorry about that. It didn't well, occur off, to me. Off mic, we'll just write them all down. It'll be great. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I interrupted you. Um, weird amends. So no one, just that person. Just, just that like, person. Yeah, I went. I brought him. I was like, "Hey, can we go talk?" And he was like, "Yep." And he probably knew it was coming. Uh, and I sat him down. And I was like, I read my script. And I was like, what can I do to make things right? And he's like, that's fine. You're good. And then he got, and then as I was like thanking him, he got up and left the room. <laughs> I was like, okay. We're all right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> we're totally fine. Doom, doom, doom. Yeah. <laughs> Off I go. Um, that's so funny. How, so you mentioned this before. Like, how do you do this on a daily basis? I have a, uh, you know, it's imperfect. It's still work in progress. What mm-hmm. I'm at right now is I have a, a definite morning routine and a, uh, that is more set in stone than my nighttime routine, but I do have both morning routine. I get up, I pray, I meditate for about five to seven minutes. Uh, I write sort of like a, like an inventory of sorts. Uh, where a gratitude list is a part of that. Mm-hmm. Ten things I'm grateful for, along with what am I going to accomplish today, how do I feel today, and how can I improve my comedy today. Nice. Uh, and then, end of the day, I... Excuse me. Uh, I pray at night. Uh, I I used to write out an inventory at night, and I need to figure out some kind of i feel uh, the system i had wasn't quite working and you sent me a worksheet and i never got around to looking at it <laughs> and i need to look at That's it because okay. it might have some answers that i'm yeah. looking for in there um but right now i'm not writing anything down but i am praying still and mm-hmm. i'm still keeping up with did i how did i act today is there any place where i acted incorrectly today or was selfish today do i need to make any amends to people mm-hmm and uh and yeah and then i if you know as i need to i make 10 step calls to people um i'm a big i i love talking on the phone yeah me too i hate uh that we live in a society where talking on the phone is not really encouraged for some reason it's true it's a lot of texting and emails and texting um this is actually uh uh you know the ex-boyfriend who had the stroke Yes. He told me I didn't have a smartphone before we got together. He was like, I had like a, like a flip, like a razor. Like I was, I was like, look at you. Look at me. I was so cool. Um, but, uh, in one day it just like shattered in my hands cause I'm hard on physical objects. I'm yeah. just a little stronger than I think I am. And it just exploded. And he's like, okay, we're going to get you a smartphone. And we had, uh, I remember our first like real hardcore text argument. And he was like, texting is a means of communication that cannot convey sarcasm or emotion of any kind. Now, we know that's not true. Like, we know that there's a way people can be a dick over a text message. What I try to implement as just, like, keep that mantra of, like, this is not this is just a means of communication. There's absolutely no way to, um, to emotionally. And now if somebody messages me like three super long text messages in a row, I'll message them. This should be a phone call because whatever you're trying to convey is not 
if it's not directional. It's it's just not like it's just cut and dry communication. Yeah, it's the only way I can survive it. Otherwise, I would just be. I showing totally, up at people's houses and stabbing them with my phone. I'm just, right there with you. Does that make sense? Did I make that makes sense? perfect sense? Yeah, my um, and it, and it's a lesson that's carried over into subsequent relationships where people are like, dudes are like, "What? Who told you that? That's awesome!" Because <laughs> apparently there's a lot of fighting happening via text. Oh yeah. Oh god. Texting is to- a texting is a, a breeding ground for just miscommunication and misunderstandings and fighting and uh, it's so needless. Yeah, when a lot of times we would probably just be like, what What did you mean by that? Mm-hmm. Can you call me? I'm unsure of what that just was. Yeah. Or sometimes I'll be like, don't do that. Whatever yeah. that was, don't do that. <laughs> I'm not participating in that, so don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that's so funny. That's good. That's good. And you're pretty, like, you've hit the ground running on your daily program mm-hmm. in a way that reminds me that, I have to hit the ground running on my daily program. Yeah. You know, I've actually been trying to redesign my, um, my daily routine recently. And it's just like, like eight pounds of shit in a five pound can. I just can't, can't uh, quite see, get it I'm right. I'm still trying to stuff. I'm probably at about six pounds right now. Good. But there's still a pound I got to fucking deal with. <laughs> like what? And that might just be life on life's terms. It might be. Yeah. But at least, you know what? I'm, I'm glad that I have, something more routine now i'm glad that i'm not in a place like where i was recently like i talked about earlier or or even at the beginning of after i'd just gotten through the 12 steps of right i am completely different morning routine uh as far as consistency it was hard for me to be consistent before now i'm finding ways to learn how to be consistent and tricks uh, one of the things that I, ju- I literally just had this revelation like three or four days ago is waking up. I'm very much a list oriented person as far as like tracking what I do over the course of the day. <laughs> I have a to do list app on my phone. And if I put my morning routine in that app, which I do, and then I leave that as the first thing I see when I wake up after I turn off my alarm clock, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is what you're supposed to do. Silly boy. Get over here. Go go drink your water. Go write your lists. Go write your pages. That's go pray. Fun. Go meditate. That's good. You're so disciplined. Mm-hmm. It's good. I, like I yeah. And that's the other thing is I have to I've I've had to grow to accept when I am not able to live in a disciplined manner. Mm-hmm. Um just because of outside factors. Mm-hmm. That used to fuck with me a lot. But mm-hmm. I can't let it fuck with me so much. Yeah. What's that gonna do? Sometimes you got to bumble from point A to point B. Yeah. Sometimes you got to let yourself sleep in a lot. Some, otherwise, you're going to get sick. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a killer because we have sometimes three, four in the morning like nights. And then we come home and we expect, for me, the thing, I'm like, I have to be out of bed between 9 and 10 and I should exercise and I've already meditated and prayed and do all these things. I'm not... And if I'm getting home at four in the morning and I do that seven days a week, I'm going to be a sad, sad girl. Yeah. I can't, I can't, I'm like a 10 hour of sleep person. I need like, like a, like a cat. And like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm lucky. I am, I'm, I can run pretty fine on six, but any less than that. And I yeah. am almost completely dead to rights unless I have some caffeine in my system. Yeah. That's under the, six, I'm insane. I'm running on right today. I am running on about four and a half. What? I went to bed last night because we got home. I got home from Norm's so at about... energy. I got home probably about like 3.30. Yeah. 
Went to bed at four. Yeah. Woke up at eight thirty today because I had shit to do. I'm gonna. I had a coffee. I'm gonna have a Red Bull after this podcast is in recording, so we can do our writing. Yeah. Eat my cookie. Eat your cookie. It'll be good. Um. Okay. So, what is your relationship with your higher power like? I have a pretty solid relationship with my higher power. I stay in touch as much as I can, praying a lot. I don't do uh, a ton of off-book prayers, except huh. uh, like I'll wake up in the days. The most off-book I tend to get, I you know, occasionally just kind of ramble and be thankful for things yeah. and, uh, and ask for help for friends and for guidance for them mm-hmm. and for strength. Um, but I usually, you know, my mornings, it's serenity prayer and then some combination of third step and or the 11th step prayer. Okay. Uh, and then at night, I got this from a meeting back home in Texas. Uh, it's just thank you for my health. Thank you for my sobriety. Thank you for my prosperity. Yeah. And that's simple. That's a simple. And that's I'm simple. One of those. That's all I really need. Yeah, I have a simple 10 step uh, at night, which is uh, what were my expectations? What did I get? How do I feel? Mm -hmm. And that's, and then the thank yous, you know what I mean? And like, what am I grateful for? And then it's just like, boom, boom, boom. Because usually I expected something throughout the day and there's some sort of amalgamation of, Mm -hmm. you know, but as far as like communicating with my higher power, for me, it's a running dialogue. Yeah. So I'm always sort of like, if I have to, if I'm forced to interact with my disease constantly throughout the day, I should also be interacting with my higher power constantly mm-hmm. throughout the day. Yeah, and the way I look at my higher power is it's it's similar. I have to be interacting with it, but for me, the higher power, my higher power, I take it sort of like a worldly. Like there's a macro and a micro, mm-hmm. and the macro is what can I be doing to put out to the universe. Uh, to live a good life, right? And to live my best self. Right. So, what can I be doing to make sure that I am not being selfish and just focusing on what's going on within me? Totally. Uh, so that is a lot of asking for what is the path? What is your what? What? Where should I go? Mm-hmm. Uh, how can I be of service? Mm-hmm. These kind of questions. Yeah. Um, I am really lucky to have for my sponsor every single time I do a 10 step call with him. He always reminds me, turn your attention to somebody else. And that's something that I need. Uh, but I, I I do a lot of, uh, as far as when I like meditate, there's a book that I use, uh, when I first started meditating, I was using it a lot and I should reread it again. Um, just to get a better grasp on some of the concepts I don't think I, I understood quite at the first time around. Mm. There's a book called Creative Visualization. Okay. It's a very good book as far as this is, you know, what are the ways that you're talking to your higher power, to the universe in a way that it can direct you more accurately to where you're trying to go? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that I that I am fascinated by and I really... I really like working in that kind of mode because um, it just gives me some direction. I like having a sense of direction, even if I don't know the exact path that I'm going to take. Okay. I used to really future trip very hard about things, and I would try and be like five or six steps ahead of things, and I can't get that far ahead. Right. I don't know what's going to be that far ahead. The, at best, maybe I can be a step ahead, 
but right. that's just a product of good being of being well prepared. Absolutely. If I go any further, then I'm just going to get tripped out and I'm going to stumble and I'm going to go rolling down a hill into a bramble patch. <laughs> a bramble patch. <laughs> um, so how how do you like to? You mentioned this a bunch of times before, but how do you like to be of service? I like to help out uh, with roast people in particular. I'll ask if they want help looking at their jokes Mm -hmm. or if people ask for help, I will always be more than willing to take a look. You heard it here, folks. Send Jay Light your jokes. Send them to me. I'm always down to take a look. Oh, you're so sweet. Hit me up. I love looking at roast jokes. I love helping. Sometimes it's like, there have been days where I've had so many roast jokes end up in my phone. I'm like, I I miss, I miss them. I felt bad. Like let Keith down the mm. other day. He sent me a bunch, and I was like, "I'm so, I totally forgot. I'm so sorry." I like texted him 20 minutes before he went on stage. I was like, "You want my list?" He's like, "It's locked in, dummy. Ah. Just get here." I was like, "Okay, I'm sorry, uh, bad friend." Uh, <laughs> so. Um, but yeah, I like to do that, and I like to, I like to think of ways. You know, being of service is something that does not come naturally to mm-hmm. me. Uh, yeah. so I have to, I have to work at it more. Um, I just signed up to volunteer at a, uh, at a, at a writing tutoring center. So we'll see if I get any contact about that. Nice. Um, cause that's a way that I, as we, I was wandering around, uh, with my girlfriend over in, uh, into the Echo Park time travel mart, which is also a tutoring center. And I was like, Hey, this is about creative writing. Oh, nice. okay. So I signed up for that. So we'll see if I get any kind of correspondence there and, Hopefully, uh, maybe I can get involved in like a program with them. But I have to figure out ways, you know, being of service, this is something that my sponsor told me too. Being of service also means spending time with people and yeah. and not making it a work function all the time. Because that's the hardest, I think one of the hardest parts about where we're at and what mm-hmm. we're trying to pursue is that art and social and work all kind of get blended together into this weird soup. Mm-hmm. And we have to separate the ingredients a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so spending time with my friends in a non-work context and in a non-art uh, context. Leisure for the sake of leisure. Exactly. That's mm-hmm. an act of service too. Because mm-hmm. everybody needs a little leisure time. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And plus we have to live a life worth commenting on. Yeah. And if we're just writing jokes, there's nothing we all cringe at jokes about being in auditions or being at other shows for a reason. Cuz it's like that's that means that you also haven't read a book, dude, or you haven't gone out somewhere and for sure it's and occasionally there's something everybody can relate to and something like that. But yeah. More often than not, it's usually like, well, this is just what I do all the time, so I'm going to write about that. Yeah. But... I don't want that. I don't want that either. So, that's that's amazing. You're the best, Jay. That was all the questions. That was all the questions? Do you have anything you want to say? I love you. I love you, too. You're a great friend. You've been a great boon to have in my life. And I'm glad to have you around. Yay. Awesome. Uh, Do you have anything you want to plug? I uh, when's this coming out? Probably, probably like three weeks. Okay, um, so uh, you can find me on social medias at Diet J on mm-hmm. Twitter and Instagram, mm-hmm. J Light Comedy on Facebook. Uh, if you are in the greater LA area, mm-hmm. then uh, you can come find me at the Comedy Store. 
uh, every Monday and Tuesday. I'm there pretty much performing on Potluck and the roast battle of uh, either roasting or working on the pre-show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a fun time open mic, show open mic yeah. in Silver Lake Super called the Kind of Sketchy Comedy Show every Thursday. Little girl hair on your chest. At the Hyperion Tavern. <laughs> Come by. That's awesome. And you have a podcast, right? Yes. Podcast is called You Should Have Planned Better. Yeah. It's me and my uh, my lovely girlfriend. Uh, you can download that on iTunes. You can look that up on SoundCloud. Uh, it's a fun time relationship podcast. Anna has been a guest on that podcast. Yes. And uh, that was a lot yeah. of fun. Give it a listen. <laughs> Yay. All right, Jay. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. bye.